Hi, Ina here. Quick warning. This episode starts right off the bat with some explicit language. So if you have little ones around, this is the time to put on your headphones or to wait until they're not around anymore. Okay, ready? The episode begins now. I was in survival mode with a toddler who wouldn't sleep. So I was shocked that we had made more money working less than half the amount but I didn't really have my wits about me to like do some kind of analysis of it. I was still barely making it through the day. Kate Northrup is the founder of The Origin Company, a seven-figure empire through which she empowers hundreds of thousands of ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out. That was her describing the light bulb moment that sparked her writing the book do less to show all women they can thrive without doubling their work. But she didn't figure it all out overnight, and her path was anything but straight. She started her business in multi-level marketing when she was a teenager, and it took a lot more than learning about business to create a path to success. In 2010, I had a life coach for the first time. I did a yoga teacher training. And I took Committed Impulse, which is an acting class, but sometimes entrepreneurs take it. And all three of those things happening at the same time, all of a sudden revealed to me the degree to which I hadn't been telling the truth in my life. In this episode, I'll ask Kate to walk me through her career and personal growth step by step, block by block, so that you can learn from her journey to create the business that you love. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview for you inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. In the full version, you'll hear the personal side of Kate's upbringing and how her entire entrepreneurial mindset was formed. Lots of mindset nuggets in there. To watch it, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're at the grocery store playing tug of war, trying to yank a 20-pound turkey out of someone's hands, it's Thanksgiving week, people. Keep the peace. Then head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanksgiving. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I'm done. Here's my interview with the bubbly and kick-ass entrepreneur, Kate Northrup. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hello, everybody. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of introducing you to one Kate Northrop. Kate, I am so happy to be talking to you right now. Thank you for coming here. happy to be talking to you. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to dive into your story. I always do my research and you in particular, I can't wait to find out about all the nooks and crannies of your story. <laughs> but first, why don't you tell everyone what you do and who you serve right now? 
So I serve female identifying entrepreneurs and people who want to align their businesses with more feminine energy, and I help them to grow their businesses without burning out or heal from the burnout they've already experienced while still being prosperous. I love it. And we are going to be putting a link to your books because everybody should just run and go and get them. One of them being do less. Just immediately it hits me with how you serve women, right? Is making sure we're not just burning ourselves out in the the process of becoming successful. So we're going to get there. But I like to start from the beginning. So I want you to think back to before you started your business, before you even did the network marketing space, before all of that, what were you like and what did you think your life was going to be like? Can you put us in that space? I started a business really early. I was like 14 when I got started in network marketing. So we're talking like a long time ago. You know, I was a theater kid. I was a dancer. I always loved thinking about money, honestly, and like learning about money and business and learning about how it was made. And what did I think my life would be? I mean, I think I thought I would be maybe an artist or a dancer or actually I did find this little brochure we had to like make in first grade, these little about me brochures. And I answered the, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I wanted to be an accountant. Nice. (laughs) Because I do. I really like money. I'm fascinated by it. We're back in that spot. You're even younger than 14 years old. Where was this love for money coming from? Where was that interest coming from? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I grew up in a tiny town in Maine, in the woods, on a salt marsh. (laughs) And my sister and I played fairies in the woods a lot. You know, it was very like crunchy granola. We had a giant compost heap in our front yard. And I honestly, I have no idea. I think it was kind of a soul quality thing. You know, I think we just come in with stuff and I was just interested in money. My sister and I were always playing businesses. I always won at Monopoly, you know, all of that stuff. For anyone who's listening, who is entrepreneurial, but has never done network marketing, can you explain to us a little bit of what that was like? What was your daily grind? What were you doing? Because this may have been like, you know, when I went to college, when like the internet was just starting out, right? And not everything was online to begin with. So what was the job? Yeah. So it was basically meeting a lot of new people and finding through word of mouth, new customers for my business. So new customers who wanted to take nutrition products and then new distributors, new business people who wanted to also sell the products and distribute them. And so that took on a variety of forms, but mostly it looked like I was just socializing because you never know where you're going to meet people for your business. So I was like, go to dance classes or yoga or go to conferences, you know? So I basically spent my life being social. And then I was training my team and doing sales calls and doing training calls and doing a lot of follow-up. Sales is such a big flare-up subject for so many people, especially for us who get into entrepreneurship later in life. Like, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to sound sleazy. And you got this whole training and you make it sound so natural. Can you tell us what your process for sales was? How did you think about sales back then? 
Well, I thought about it the same way I do now. I actually created a course called Heart Hustle based on my philosophy about sales, which is that everybody has a need. And our job is to figure out if they have a need that we have a possible solution for. And if they have a need that we have a possible solution for, it would not be okay to withhold that information. And so it's really just a process of finding out what somebody is struggling with and seeing if we can find a solution. Now, I was very clear that my job was not to figure out how to make my USANA business the solution. My job was to be a great resource. So I ended up with this incredible network of people because I would meet people, find out what they needed and figure out if I had somebody in my network or something in my, you know, it might be USANA, but it might be something else. And so that's really how I saw it was relationship building. And that has served me so well. Best skill in my toolbox. For anybody who's listening who is in network marketing, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would have for them? It's so funny because I got an amazing text from a woman who used to be in my network marketing business of gratitude about something. And she said, I just want you to know that what you taught me about to be interested did instead of interesting still continues to serve me to this day. And I think that that is what is so critical, not just in network marketing, but in life in general, to focus on being interested instead of interesting. And if you are focused on being interested instead of interesting, then you will be magnetic. So if your network marketing business is going so well, you're earning a salary through it, What was the pivotal point? What was that transition between you doing your USANA business and then wanting to do something else? Yeah, so there was a series of events, but basically I ended up combining USANA businesses with my mother because by that time she actually did want to do the business because she saw how well it was working. And so we combined businesses. So I worked behind the scenes in her team, in like running her USANA business for a while. And ultimately that really wasn't, like going to be a good solution for the long term working with my mom and so i just really wanted to do something that was just for me and so i started a blog i just what wanted the, to be able to say about? it was about whatever <laughs> it's just like i literally my first email i sent it out to everyone i knew and i said hey i'm starting a blog i'm not exactly sure what it's going to be about but you know it's about personal development and spirituality and wellness and like women's empowerment and you know, here's the link if you want to be on my blog list. And this is PS, this is in like 2009. So this is before the internet marketing boom. This is before the global phenomenon, if you will. And so, yeah, so 400 people signed up like within a month from that first email. So people say like, how do I grow my list? And I'm like, well, who do you know? Just start with the people you know, which by the way, is also from my network marketing background. People just make it so complicated. You know, let me invest all this money in ads. Let me have this like incredible strategy on social media and whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's about relationships. So then I started my blog and then I learned about affiliate marketing because again, relationships. Mm -hmm. And I started recommending, I didn't have any products or offerings of my own, but I was really good at recommending other people's stuff. And so I started doing that and I started making money and I was like, oh, this is a whole bit. Who knew that blogging could be a business? And so over time, the, a very long story short is over time, <laughs> I transitioned 
from making my primary income through my network marketing business to making my primary income from my online business. That's incredible. Can I ask you at which point in that journey do you find out about Marie Forleo and B-School? So I met Marie at a yoga class, I want to say in 2008 or 2009. And I had just seen her speak at the Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts. So I knew who she was. So I went and said hi. And we ended up just becoming fast friends. She and her fiance, Josh, I just love Josh. He's like one of my favorite people ever. And we just hung out. And I think it was that summer. I'll just never forget. We were driving to the beach and I was sitting in the back seat of their Prius. And Marie was like, I've got this idea for a course that teaches women about online marketing in a way more fun, accessible way than these guys with their binders in giant hotel ballrooms. And I was like, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And so I was an affiliate right from the beginning. And so I want to say that was in 2009, because I think that's when she started B-School. Yeah. Did you actually go through B-School? Or oh, yeah. Like, like- yeah, I went through it the first time it was offered. I was an affiliate and then I was a student. And it was so fun. My first time I had nine people sign up with me. And I thought I was going to die of excitement. I had made $9,000. I was like, I, I mean, I just thought I was the richest woman in the world. And my bonus for my people who signed up as affiliate was a get together with Marie, where she came to my studio apartment and we ate like pretzels and hummus and she answered people's questions. That is awesome. <laughs> so, cool. so funny. It was so funny. Yeah. So that was how that started. I would love to know, because at this point, I'm going to throw a couple of things at you and I want you to tell me where they fit into your story and how they worked out. Okay. One, and you tell me which one you want to start with. One of them is your Glimpse TV uh, YouTube series. And the other one is your Freedom Tour, which you still do to this day. Uh, Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I want to know, like, which one? So Glimpse Glimpse TV, again, relationships, there really is a theme. And this is actually a very helpful interview for me. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of a crossroads right now in my business. You know, we always go through these moments of evolution. And I've always been interested in people. And I just was building these relationships. And I wanted a way to feature them and, and celebrate them and interview them. So I started this Glimpse TV interview series on my YouTube channel. And so that's what that was. And I don't know when I ended it, but, you know, I did it for a while and it was great. And I would take my, I don't know, they had these things called a flip cam or something. It was like, maybe it was called a flip cam. I don't even remember, but it was like very old technology. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, the Freedom Tour started in 2011. So basically in 2010, I had a life coach for the first time. I did a yoga teacher training. And I took Josh Pice's course, Committed Impulse, which is an acting class, but sometimes entrepreneurs take it. So Josh is Marie's fiance. And all three of those things happening at the same time, all of a sudden, just like revealed to me the degree to which I hadn't been telling the truth in my life. I certainly would never call me a liar, but all the people pleasing and all the lack of boundaries and all the doing things that I didn't really want to do and all the places that things were not okay, but I was pretending they were okay. So in 2011, I just was like, F that, I'm done. So I decided that I would sell 
So I was living in an apartment that my mother owned. And I tell this story much more in depth than money, a love story. If, if anyone listening is interested in all the details, <laughs> but and we'll put the link to the book in the notes for everybody to get it. Okay, great. And I will just say the audio book was recorded several years after I wrote the book. So it has way more updated bonus material. So I decided to, we would sell the apartment. I got rid of basically all my stuff. I had about a week where I just emailed everyone I knew. And I said, come to my apartment and take something of mine so I can leave it here with you. And so people came over, took stuff. I sold stuff. And then I bought a Prius and I was going to go on this road trip of undeterminate length. And about two weeks beforehand, I just got an intuition to invite this guy who I barely knew, who I'd met at an investing seminar. No, no, no. I didn't meet him there. I met him in Chicago because I was there on an investing seminar with my cousin, Rachel, Uncle John's daughter. <laughs> um, and Mike happened to be, Mike, the guy was a friend from USANA of the people I was staying with. Yeah. Anyway. So I just got this intuition to invite him to go with me just on the first five days, which was very random and weird because I barely knew him. And he said, yes. And so he flew to Buffalo, New York in a blizzard. And we drove across the country to California. And that was supposed to be five days. I was supposed to have dropped him off in Arizona, actually, but he came with me to California. And then five days turned into 10 months. And that was the Freedom Tour. We drove around the United States for 10 months. I was teaching these seminars at the time called Women and Wealth, which were originally designed as lead magnets for my USANA business, but in the end became the outline for my book, Money, A Love Story. And you know, we fell in love and then we moved to Maine and now we have two babies and we've been so, married like, I don't know, however long we've been married since 2014. So that worked out. So that worked out. <laughs> That was the freedom tour. That could have gone two very different directions. Yes. yes. He basically got in the car with me on February 2nd, 2011, and he never left. Wow. How does he feel? Have you asked him? Like, how does he feel about having been invited by somebody he just met and then staying with this person for 10 months on a road trip? Yeah. Well, he just knew, he knew, he knew much more, much earlier than I did. I mean, he was like, he knew like within the first five days that like I was the one for him. Wow. Took me a little longer. <laughs> yeah. He just wouldn't go home. He was just like, well, I'm going to drive you to California. Well, I'm going to drive you to Colorado. Well, I'm actually going to sell all my stuff and just come on this trip with you. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. That just reminds me of trying to break up with my husband like five times while we were dating. And he was just, he was just not faced. He's like, he's like, oh, you know, if you want to break up, we can break up. Like nobody's keeping you here. I'm like, okay. So I just kept coming back. He was so laissez fair about it. He's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> it just reminded me of him. Does he, <laughs> does your husband have a similar personality to yours, a, a complete opposite personality? We're very similar in our adventurousness mm -hmm. and we make decisions quickly. So mm -hmm. we are very, some would call us impulsive, but I call us adventurous. We are very into challenging the status quo, changing things up and really life optimization. And I would say we're pretty unconventional in terms of just like, well, what else could be possible? We're always asking the question, what else could be possible? And we are very similar that way. He's far more direct than I am. 
he's an eight on the Enneagram. So he's really like a driver kind of personality. And I can be much more just like, well, you know, so yeah, but we're pretty similar in the ways that make it easy to live together. I love it. So I'm going to go back to your story because this particularly caught my eye and I want to know how it felt to be there. So you wrote your book, Money, a Love Story, and you went on a speaking tour. You were speaking with the Hay House Ignite Project with people like Chris Carr and Gabby Bernstein and Daniel Laporte. And to me, like that would be such an, an incredible moment of like, wow, like things are working. I'm I'm fulfilling my purpose. I am here, but these are all the feelings that I'm having for you. <laughs> like I would love to know what was it like for you then? What was going on behind the scenes? So this is a tricky one because I will say I felt like the only reason I was there was because of my mom being a Hay House author. So mm -hmm. I never really allowed myself to have that moment of sort of pride or achievement because I just sort of felt like it was nepotism. Yeah. Quite. I mean, to be perfectly honest, then that's been an interesting part of my journey is just like, you know, in what ways are we connected and what ways are we separate? And it continues today. Do you still believe yeah. that? But it was a fun speak. It was a fun gig. It was a really fun gig. And I'm, you know, I'm still very close to it. A lot of those people. So that's great. Looking back to it, do you still believe that? Do you still believe that? You know what? It was my connection or have you like from me, from the outside, not being there. Right. You know, I don't think that Hay House would be featuring like, you know, everybody and then somebody's daughter. Like I see your name up there. I'm like, all of these are incredible, amazing women that, you know, there is no one is not like the other here. To me, it's like, this would have been an incredible tour to go and watch. So looking back to it, do you still believe the way you felt back then? I think that it's such a beautiful combination of things, you know, and, and this is really, I think a lot about privilege and there's always a mix, right? There's the privilege that we have. So in that particular situation, I had connection privilege. So it got my foot in the door. And then once I got my foot in the door, you know, I feel quite confident that I have continued to create things on my own. But we all have, you know, we all have things that we were born with. And those are our privileges. And I know that, and obviously some of them are not privileges. I think that one of the things that I've done some healing around that I'm so grateful for is realizing that feeling guilt around our privilege, whether it's class privilege, white privilege, cisgender privilege, able privilege, you know, able body privilege, whatever it may be, guilt is not really a serving fuel source. Mm. So that doesn't help anybody, including me. And so I've really moved through a lot of that and just realized, okay, we have privilege, so let's use it. And I've been able to really, it's helped me to just continue to put my stuff out there and just let it be what it is. I think, especially with the privilege conversation, it's so important to acknowledge that it's there, that we didn't put it there. It exists there, but it is our choice to figure out how we're going to use it for the good of the world, right? I cannot help the existence of privilege any more than I can help the color of my skin, but I can do something that I feel in alignment with to make the world a better place. Exactly. 
that's how I feel about it. And yet, if you don't mind getting into this, just a little bit of this conversation is yesterday, you know, for everybody who's listening to this, this was pre-recorded, but yesterday was International Women's Day. And I might tell you that this experience of guilt, it reaches in my heart because I remember when I started this new pivot of my business, I had advisors who would tell me, you should only speak to women. You should make this a women's movement. This should be like the female global phenomenon. And I thought about it for a good 24 hours. And I came back saying, my LGBT community and my LGBT friends are too important to me for me to say that, no, this is just a female-centric venture. So when days like Women's Day arrives, I feel guilt. I feel guilt at not being able to, to really express out loud, you know, I'm a proud woman, cisgender, but at the same time, be able to support my LGBT friends. So as someone who, you know, in your brand is about, you know, the feminine energy and about, you know, being an empowered female. I wonder if those are things that have mm-hmm. floated through oh your mind. And- All the time. It's complicated, you know, yeah. because women have been marginalized for so long. And so I want to celebrate women. And also like we had our first man join origin the other day and it was great. And I was like, just so you know, since you're here, I'm going to call you Empress John because (laughs) because (laughs) our members of origin, we call them empresses. And I can talk about why later if you want. And he was like, great, I'll be Empress John. I was like, great. And we're good. But yeah, it's something I think about all the time. It's something I think about a lot in copywriting. How can I make it clear who this is for? Because at the end of the day, if somebody is resonating with the work, it's for them. Right. Like if somebody is reading it and they're like, yes, then great, come on down. But like my work in particular is not for all people mm-hmm. on the planet because all people on the planet wouldn't resonate with it. For example, my husband is like, and what is that that you're, what, what is that? I mean, he, you know, he totally gets it, but like, I have to explain it to him again, you know? And so I think about it all the time. You know, I rewrote the copy on my do less planner sales page and just was like, this planner is for people, you know, instead of being like women, I was like, this is a planner for people who want to X, Y, Z. And it felt really relaxing. Inclusion feels really relaxing in my body because <laughs> I can just feel like, oh yeah, like if someone's here, they're here for this and that's great and they are welcome here. Yeah. And I think that's an important message in all aspects of our business, just remembering that when we speak to someone and this message resonates with them, that doesn't mean that we have to be looking everywhere else to see, like, okay, can we talk to the entire universe, right? It's like our message is going to resonate with a particular experience. I think that's really important in business to know. So I would love to know, this is something I'm going to tell you resonated really a lot with me when I was looking at why you wrote a book, Do Less. And I saw you on an interview with Marie Forleo, and I will put it right here in the show notes, of you describing yourself as having an identity or back then having had an identity with just being really busy and productive and you always need to be doing something all the time. And I'm like, okay, that's me. I'm listening. What (laughs) What are we talking about here? And when you were having your first baby, you had to really like scale back, you know, while you were pregnant, while you had the baby, you're like, okay, let's just scale back a little bit. And your business didn't tank. Your business prospered the following year. And that triggered you being like, okay, let's figure out 
what I did there. And what I wanted to dig deeper is how did you go about this analysis, this hindsight review of what were the things that I was doing and what worked well? I'd love to know more about that piece. Well, I wish I could say it was more like analytical and systematic than it was. I was in survival mode with a toddler who, like a 13-month-old, so she was still really an infant, who wouldn't sleep. And so I was just like in survival mode. So I was shocked that we had made more money working less than half the amount, but I didn't really have my wits about me to like do some kind of analysis of it. I was still barely making it through the day. And so anyone who's listening who has young children, I see you, you are not alone. <laughs> and, and, I will uh, say, and I will say thank you on their behalf. I have a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I also have a three-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old. So what I did though is what I teach, which is I let my body lead the way. So I had had this incredible experience of not having had to think about anything or particularly do anything and making an entire human being and then giving birth to her. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) this is by far the most important thing I've ever done. And I didn't even have to think about it. That is wild. So if my body could do that, what else could it do if I let it bleed? And so what I did is at that 13 month mark, right about the time we realized we had made more money than ever before, working less than half the amount, still completely exhausted with the new baby, a newish, I got my period back and I started to allow it to inform how I spent each week of the month. And I really, at that time in my life, needed a life raft. I really needed something I could depend on. And it was my body. For the first time, I just started tracking my cycle. I did this little journaling practice about it at the end of every night, which I've now created, you know, turned into a a thing, one of our products. And it completely revolutionized my life and our business. And we've made more and more money every single year ever since. So it was not a brain thing. It was a body thing. Yeah. I love it. And I am going to put the book down there for everybody to go and get it. And I hate that we're running out of time because there is so much. You've really been very generous and given us so much of yourself in this interview. So thank you so much. Um, Can I ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? So I think the biggest misconception uh, is the same one that I make about other people as well, which is that somehow they have it easier or have something that allows them to do it that I don't personally have. And if you're listening to this, I want you to know that you have something really unique that other people don't have. And focusing on that thing for each of us is the secret sauce, is the special sauce. And instead of looking out and being like, let me do it you know, more like Ina, or let me do it more like Kate, or more like Laura Belgray, or more like Marie Forleo, or whoever, like do it more like you. And that will be your path to ease and flow. For sure. I love it. And if everybody who's listening had to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? It would be, this is tactical. (laughs) It would be to sit down and look at the 80-20 of your business or of your life and a certain result that you want and look at 
what are the 20% of activities that get you 80% of the results and eliminate, automate, or delegate the other things that you're doing and focus it and get laser focused on that 20%. Yeah, this resonates with me particularly this year for sure. So thank you so much for doing this, Kate. And where can people find you and follow you and get more of you? Yeah. So if you want to go over to katenorthup.com forward slash ritual, over there, you can get the do less weekly planning ritual guide. It's 11 minutes and it will guide you to set up your do less, achieve more week with rest and flow and an exhale and prosperity. So that is at katenorthup.com forward slash ritual. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Kate Northrup. I hang out there a couple times a week. Yeah. And I'd love to stay in touch. Thank you so much, Kate. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can also inject some gratitude and truth into your everyday life so that your business soars in the most authentic way possible. So stay tuned because in the next companion episode, I'm going to talk about my favorite mindset technique. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to send us your tip of the week for a chance to get featured on a future companion episode, make sure to go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash tip to request the full instructions. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.